It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the Hive Jive. Well, howdy, Miss Natalie. Hello, Mr. John. How are you? I am good. You got big old smiles on your face. We I were, do. We, I'm all excited about all my projects. Yeah, we almost spent the entire recording time not recording, sitting here chatting and catching up on stuff. We've been going at it for 30 minutes. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, and this uh, this... Some of our episodes do go 45 minutes or an hour. Sometimes these are, you know, a little bit shorter. I think this one will be a short episode. <laughs> right. We, just, we have to make up for all that we time. We spent all that time talking and BSing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, welcome back to another Beekeeper Chat, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on Patreon. We greatly appreciate it and we appreciate the support. And hello and welcome to all the new members who have just joined. You may not necessarily be up to this episode yet, depending on if you're listening to them in real time or still trying to catch up for the backlog. So, uh, but that's there for whenever you get to it. So hi. <laughs> Hello guys. We're so happy to be with you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, today we are going to talk about a headline in the news, uh, which means that later a year from now, when we release this out to everybody else, they're going to be like, that's old news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> But for everybody here, you get to hear it in real time. So it's uh, it's new news to you news. Okay, so the uh, we will paste this article into the description of the episode so that you can go in there, click it, and go through and read it for yourself. Not necessarily too terribly complicated, not necessarily too lengthy. So this is kind of a nice, easy one. But the title of the article reads, U.S. approves world's first vaccine for declining honeybees. Now, we've had conversations before about vaccinations in fact we have an entire episode yeah, about really. vaccinations where it went <laughs> off the rails into a whole nother concept of stuff yeah. um and we've talked about things you know like we talk a lot about mites or natural beekeeping and how the best way for the bees to deal with it is to evolve to work with it or coexist but this one is a little bit different because this vaccine is specifically targeting american fowl brood and American foul brood, if you don't know what that is, that is a nasty little thing. That is probably the predominant worst thing that can happen to a colony currently because there is no cure for it. And the only treatment, quote unquote, is burn it, burn everything immediately. So you burn the hives, you burn your hive tools, you burn your gloves, you burn everything and just pray to God that nobody was drifting or robbing and it didn't spread anywhere else. Mm -hmm. They do have an antibiotic that you could use to try to treat some of the other colonies if you think that they could have been exposed, but maybe it hasn't taken hold yet. And the reason that foul brood is such a nasty little thing is because it is a bacteria, but it's a bacteria that has a stage that acts a lot like a fungus. So it's got this weird little thing going on where... When it actually goes into the reproductive cycle, the reproductive cells go as a spore. So they're sporocytic. They go into a spore that is dormant, and that can be transmitted in all kinds of ways. It can be on your tools, your equipment, your clothing. It can be in the honey. And this is one of the reasons why you're never supposed to feed honey to bees from an unknown source. Don't buy it off the store and feed it to the bees, because even though they do all kinds of horrific crap to the honey in the store, 
the spores from American fowl brood are not destroyed when they do the pasteurization. And that spore, if it gets ingested by the bee, suddenly is no, no longer dormant because it's now inside of a host and it will regenerate, propagate, and become the bacteria again and wipe out the entire colony. So that's what it is. Now, the new thing about this is that it's the first time that the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, has authorized a vaccination for bees that can be used. And the way that they're planning on doing this is by taking an inactive version of this bacteria, just like they do when they vaccinate us for different types of viruses, they're going to take an inactive version of this bacteria and they put it into the royal jelly that is then fed to the queen. And when the queen ingests it, she actually stores immune copies to combat this bacteria inside her ovaries, which is kind of strange. But that means it then permeates into the egg. She lays the egg and that new larva that hatches and grows and develops has a natural immunity or a little bit of resistance to the American fowl brood bacteria. So that's the thing. That's the whole point. Uh, there's a quote in there from, I think, the California State Beekeepers Association that states, you know, this it's an incredible thing. It basically could be a game changer for beekeepers. And because it is a little bit different, because we're not talking about treating a parasite or another insect or something like that, and because of what it is doing and because of what it is combating, it is the simple fact that to date we have nothing against American fowl brood. And if you get it, you're screwed. I am curious, Miss Natalie. What do you think about this? Do you say yay or nay? Is this a good thing for beekeeping? Or is it just another one of those kind of like the same touting of, of varroa mites and treatment for mites? Okay, so like with everything else, there's pros and cons, right? And it also depends on your philosophy and what kind of context you're in. If you're a commercial beekeeper, then things are a little bit different. You're kind of um, stuck in between a rock and a hard place because you're transporting bees. They're stressed out. They are staying in, in tight quarters with other colonies. And when you are in the Californian orchards and, and all that, apologize, my dog is being a little nervous. But um, so you, you've got constraints a little bit like in the feedlots where you have cows that are on top of each other and they're stressed out. They feed them antibiotics and there's some vaccines going on uh, for protection. And um, in that those cases, American fowl broods can spread rampant without being noticed initially because when commercial beekeepers are going to take a look at their when they're grading their colonies or where they're opening them up they're not going through every single frames like we have the luxury to do when we are a backyard beekeeper they just crack the lid open if the population is great they close it back we're good to go if it's not then they get they, they dig a little bit deeper right so they don't really kind of um go through it and they might miss the signs initially, and that might get established uh, before they notice it. So that's more of a problem, I believe, for the commercial beekeepers than it is for the uh, backyard beekeepers who potentially, you know, if they know their uh, past biology, their, uh, their uh, disease biology, and the, the honeybee biology, we'll be able to spot it a lot earlier at a time which hopefully, if they do regular inspections, uh, will be able to get controlled in other ways than having to resort to prevention, like a vaccine, like a, um, a protection, like the vaccine. Now, as always, if you are keeping your bees stress-free with uh, strong 
populations and queens that are um, well-mated and, and good quality genetics, then chances of you, if you if you keep sanitary procedures, chances of you catching those um, and having it spread in a way that's uncontrollable is, is pretty low. Uh, so what I want to mention is that um, the justification for that being a game changer in the article, in all the articles that I've read about the subject, was that basically 25% of the colonies of honeybees have AFB. And I'm like, uh, maybe that was true in the 20s, about, you know, 100 years ago or, or a little bit less, but it's no longer the case. It's about like 2% these days, I think if my uh, stats are right. So it's, it's not really the quite the boogeyman does it, that it used to be. It's not as widespread as it used to be. So that's something to keep in mind. And um, the other thing I was thinking is that, that that vaccine doesn't eliminate the risk of uh, having AFP. It just decreases the deaths of the colony by 50%, right? So, or the larval stage. And I haven't been able to uh, dig into the study itself to see if those were laboratory conditions or if they were actually real world colony in the apiary conditions. So that's another thing to keep into consideration. Now they were approved and I'm sure that the commercial beekeepers are really happy about that. But I got plenty more to say about what can be done about AFB. Um, and first, what I keep in mind is what Les Crowder has always said is that he's taken before he was chief apiary inspector in New Mexico. It's not like he was, you know, uh, he didn't know what he was doing, but he took, uh, he, he took a colony that had AFB, took a frame that out of it and put it in a large colony that was strong and he couldn't contaminate it, right? So that was, that got cleaned up and that got taken care of. So I think that more important than a vaccine is for us all to make sure we keep healthy colonies that are strong enough to fend for themselves and keep their vitality high. That's um, very true. Um, you, yeah. you mentioned the apiary inspector part. And <laughs> one of the things that I think is kind of an interesting note is that American fowl brood is one of the key reasons that a lot of states ended up implementing inspection yes. services, because that's why all of a sudden there were you have to get permits and you have to do these things to cross not only state lines, but in some instances, county lines, because if you did have it, it can spread so prolifically and it was causing so much devastation that they had to catch it. They had to catch it immediately. And again, the only thing they can do is burn everything. So that's one of the reasons that a lot of the apiary inspection services actually became what they are today or even, you know, started off in existence was for that sole purpose. And then other things were tacked on now that you've got an organization there that can monitor and watch. Now you can kind of keep an eye out for these other things. But that is, uh, it's kind of an interesting little side note that a lot of people may not necessarily be aware of. It's true. History of beekeeping, that's where those came from. And uh, that extends to other diseases. And it came out handy with the varomites as well, right? So yeah. that's something to, uh, there's value there um, to prevent the spread of those problems. But they, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, and, and I don't remember the name of the gentleman, but Les Crowder again mentioned there was a gentleman that, um, it was um, probably a um, infectious disease kind of background. And he looked at all this and he made an observation that basically that, yes, it is bacteria based uh, in its initial phase. And it does behave a little bit like a fungal, you know, uh, um, organism in the, when it's um, contamination phase. 
but he said that it was more like of a putrefactive than really contagious kind of a um, disease, right? So it's rotting out, they're rotting out. And if you catch it before it turns into those dry, you know, uh, hard scales at the bottom of the cells, you can take care of it and, and just kind of um, with sanitary interventions and it doesn't really require medication from that standpoint. Although I understand that some people were feeding them antibiotics because it is a bacteria, right? So yeah. just kind of food for thoughts there. There's, um, if you catch it early enough, you, I mean, I wouldn't burn my hives. I would just take other measures to, to uh, stop it. Basically, yeah. and it, it's also one of those things too, though, about it, the burning of the hives is that was the only thing that could be done, you know, back in the day. And unfortunately, that is still the case if somebody like the inspection service finds it. Mm -hmm. So if they find it and it doesn't matter how hard, you know, that colony is doing, how great that colony is doing, how big it is, if they test for it and they have it, it's gone. So there's that aspect. But if you catch it yourself, yes, then you have these options that you can go through and try to make some other decisions. Now, I think that kind of a lot of things, I mean, that we, it's one of the, so I'm going to say something could give you in trouble. Well, that's what I was trying to say. I wouldn't burn my hives, but I was not going to give advice. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to give advice. I'm not going to give advice and I don't want to point a finger, but at the same time, I'm going to be pointing a finger because oh, there you go. whenever you come around and you say, 50% of all the beehives that are managed in, in the U.S. die every year. Uh-huh. Where are those 50% of those numbers coming from? Probably from your commercial beekeepers. That's right. And it comes right back to the whole aspect of if 20% is still a true number, is it just 20% of the commercial beekeepers' hives or is it 20% of the entire national, true. you know, including the feral colonies? Now, when you do keep them in those circumstances, as you said at the very beginning, you're trucking them across the country. They're stressed out. They're not allowed to, to actually keep their own natural food stores. They're pumped full of bad stuff they shouldn't have. They can't and, even go to the bathroom during right, the trip. They're locked up the whole time that they're on the truck. They're allowed to go out and forage, but they're foraging in the most toxic places on earth, right. which conveniently is where we grow our food. Um, and that's why is because we treat it with all this other crap. So they've got everything going against them. So of course, that's going to be one, your breeding ground for new types of things to catch hold because you have bees that have weakened immune systems, they're sickly, and they're easily susceptible to these types of things. Now, once you have those bees and you're trucking them across the country, that is it. your super spreader on wheels. And it is going from state to state in a big circle, following the bloom patterns of the different crops. And again, these types of things, there are going to be feral colonies out there. There's going to be your managed colonies out there. They can travel several miles to find food. They could very easily come into contact with bees that have been in contact with bees that have been, you know, susceptible to these different types of diseases, pests, parasites, you name it. That's why once they come over, if it gets into a migratory commercial beekeeping operation, the entire United States is going to have it very quickly because they're going to load them up, take them on a truck and away they go. So I would say that the game changer is that if the commercial population does decide to utilize this vaccine and it, it is currently available to certain commercial operations, it's supposedly, if things continue to go well, going to be available for purchase in the United States within this year. So again, if they get it, they start using it, 
maybe that will change their dynamic to where instead of 20%, they're down to 2% like everybody else. And it will reduce the possibility of them spreading it to your colonies and you ever having to worry about it. But as it is today as a backyard beekeeper, hopefully you don't ever come across it, especially if you're not moving your colonies and there's not anybody around you that's moving their colonies. You're probably not going to really have to worry about that specific type of thing. So there's that. There's that, and there's also the fact that it's not a treatment per se, right? It's a right. inoculation. It's a vaccination, yeah. In itself, is not necessarily, uh, as far as you know, the way I'm looking at, you know, keeping bees and not impacting um, and bringing in toxicity. It's not bringing in toxicity, kind of a thing, right? right. So. And, and, and from that standpoint, I think that's great. Um, I think that um, it's also not necessarily useful to everybody. Uh, we don't all, we're, like to your point, we're not all contending with AFB. Um, and, and if we were and we had that vaccine, you still would cause 50% of death. And what do you do with the rest? You still would have to burn it, right? So yeah. uh, in a way. But um, I think that... Um, that vaccination, it's like everything else. Um, it got approved by the USDA and it's fantastic for, for the use in commercial settings and whoever wants to spend the money. But again, in this case, like all the other ones, it's a, it's a, and you can see it from the promotion, from the way it's been doing the rounds, it's made CNN's front page, it's, it's just uh, Fox News probably, I don't remember. I'm just kind of like gleaning through. I don't want to be uh, <laughs> tribal about anything. But the point is that it's been going around in the news everywhere. And there's a reason for that. And it's follow the money, right? Just yeah. kind of, there, there's a lot of money that's- well, It's a, it's a product that needs to be marketed so it can be sold so that they can make a lot of money. That's it, right. It's just now, like anything, you know, the, the whole yeah. big thing with um, EpiPins. Right. And the jackass that bought that company and then raised the price up through the roof. Why? Yeah. So he could make a lot of more money, not because it was cost more to do it. You know, right. it, it's it's just kind of one of those things. But I do think that being a vaccination, um, you know, to say the things that that caused that one listener to go off on the tangent about other things in the past. Um, if you liken it to something like COVID, the whole point of the vaccination is not to prevent you from getting it, but if you do get it, it should that's prevent right. you from getting as sick or possibly dying. That's right. And that's, that's the right. main key point for that. With the difference that our hives and those backyard beekeepers are static, you get it mostly from the spores inside the combs, which means you would have to be in contact with the combs, which is why the transportation of those pool hives with comb that might be contaminated is an issue. And also the fact that it's not... Um, that two uh, percent, it's going to be between. It's going to be lower than 20, 25 percent. I, I don't believe it's that high because otherwise, I would know a quarter of my three hundred or so hives. Right, that I'm right. You would, would have inevitably come across don't. once at least. Yeah, and not once in my eleven years of keeping bees. So uh, from that standpoint, I think that's over exaggerated. Um, but but yeah, follow the money and and just realize that we don't have to. Uh, use it depending on our circumstances and it's not as contagious or prevalent as when you're comparing to covid right so th right. it's kind of there's a there's some similarities but it's uh, at complete odds about the seriousness of it yeah it's not it's not an airborne disease it has to hitch a Either. ride on something yes. so 
what happens like the comb, you might say, oh, well, as long as I don't put comb into the colony from another colony. But in reality, if that colony is already sickly because it's been out doing this stuff and it dies and another colony robs it out, mm -hmm. now them spores are hitching a ride on the bee. It can make its way into the food, into the, you know, into the other colony and then therefore start that spreading process. Yeah. So that's kind of how that happens. And, and I'm firmly convinced that a lot of the diseases um, are present at a latent stage in a lot of the colonies, if not all of them. And they only express themselves if the colony it doesn't have the vitality or the strength or is stressed out. Um, there's something else that makes them express themselves and become a problem. Hence yeah. the reason why it would appear more in the commercial operations. Yeah, so here's a here's a bizarre analogy for it it's it's the same concept as like the boy in the bubble um and that was it's been lots of things books movies you name it but right the simple concept of that is all the rest of us are walking around especially if you got little kids they're walking germ factories oh my <laughs> like, goodness they go with all their other little snotty friends and everybody's like drooling and dripping from their orifices and they're playing with each other and then they come yeah. home daddy daddy give me a hug and everybody gets it so but we're all walking around our immune systems are built up from those types of interactions that's where the kids get their immune system right. but to an individual that does not have an immune system hence boy right. in the bubble they have to literally live inside of a bubble because if they don't the very right. first thing they get could potentially kill them that's, that's the right. same concept with a colony that is uber stressed uber weak lower immune system not right. enough quality exactly. food coming in well, you've got that bubble situation where anything that anybody else would normally be exposed to and be fine yeah. could cause a problem. And it's a specific case. Now, I've talked to some of the other beekeepers that that like to discuss all these things. And um, somebody made a really good point. I believe it was Bruce Rodriguez. He said it's basically um, a, a solution in search of a problem. Right. So to him, it. it yeah, well, we've been functioning without it and we haven't had any problems with it, not in the backyard beekeeping section of, of well, the world. Right? right. And to that exact point, that originally is, again, why the apiary inspection services were created. Yes. However, they now have, because everybody has done a great job about watching and monitoring and doing all this stuff, right. and it's been going on for years and years and years. So now... They have a lot of free time on their hands to also monitor for about 50 other things right. except for that. And so therefore, that's exactly right. It could be only 2%. It's not that big of a deal right now. But again, if you're a commercial operation and you are the perfect storm and breeding ground for these kinds of things, yeah, maybe so. You know what's funny? That makes me think... Um it's not just my colony so i've i've gone through thousands now by now in the last 11 years and of inspections right and and with customers with other people and i'm i've never ever encountered it but it's funny because a lot of the the beginner to intermediate beekeepers will come, is this afb do i need to burn my hive everybody's kind of like the boogeyman it's the boogeyman that and the high and the mites right it's that's the helicopter parent beekeepers right, that, right, that, especially exactly. when they're new yeah. everything is potentially the worst thing and it's the end of the world <laughs> and they've ordered kits to test for it they spend a fortune on on those kits and i'm like dude you, you know i'm looking at it this is not afb you can try to put a, a, a match but um, i mean a, a match in there, and see in there if it's yeah. or whatever but yeah it doesn't look like it's AFB and it's very, very rare. I would be very surprised if it was AFB. Yeah. Most of the time, if you do truly encounter something that you think might be that, 
Nine times out of 10, it's actually going to be EFB. It's going to be the EFB. European foul brood, if anything. It could also be any number of other things, chalk brood, sack brood. There's lots of fun little diseases out there that your bees can That's get. Right. But the true American foul brood, that one's the nasty one. And again, not seen that often. European foul brood, it's not pretty, but you know what? It's not with, the end of the world. With time, a colony can overcome it on its own accord. And as long as they got exactly. good nutrition and health coming in and they're not stressed, they recover. That's true. Did you know that in England, I've been told that they have to burn their colonies that have EFB, I think by extension of- uh, I did not know that, no. I, I heard something. Uh, I don't know if it's all, all over the country, but in some areas. And, and so my take on EFB is basically a stress disease. It happens very often when you have an imbalance between nurse bees and larvae. So they're not getting fed enough. And that's when an EFB expresses itself. So you can solve it in different fashions. You can wait for that to balance, to reestablish itself. You can um, provide them with sugar syrup and help them not have that nutritional deficiency. Yeah. And you can also uh, give them a, an influx of nurse bees. You shape, shake some nurse bees in there. It will rectify itself. So very often it, it expresses itself in the sp early spring, just before the nectar flow. They're all kind of like stressed out, starving. There's fewer nurse bees because the the, sum, uh, the winter bees are dying and they're kind of like that that time when there's a discrepancy between the need and, and what they have. And as soon as the nectar flow hits, it usually clears itself out. Yep. So that's something to keep in mind. EFB is not the end of the world. Yep. So there you go. Lots of acronyms for you to remember. AFB, American foul brood, bad. Yes. EFB, European foul brood. Man, I mean, it's not great, but it'll be all right. <laughs> that's that's my my. Your, that's right. It's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> you damn Europeans. Yes. The Americans. Uh, the yeah, exactly. Europeans, it's okay. That's all right. <laughs> perfect, but we're okay. Fetus, <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out. That's right. Give us some wine. <laughs> we would. It's siesta, and we need a four course dinner, and, and everything stressed. will be okay. We're not stressed out, right? So you know, once once we get back on our feet, it works out. So. Oh wow! We should just apply that to everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, everybody, I hope this has been. Um, if not enlightening, at least an entertaining conversation and that's maybe right. made you think. Again, that's the kind of the whole purpose of the beekeeper chats. Um, but again, it is something to look into. The article is going to be posted down there for you to read at your leisure if you want to, or if listening to us just yak about it was enough, then hey, you're good. Um, we definitely, as always, as I said at the beginning of the show, we appreciate you tuning in here on Patreon. We appreciate the support and we will have another episode for you next week. And we are looking forward to talking to you then. But what do you have to do in the meantime? Be mindful. Hey, yeah. she got it first. Be good. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> See you later. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.